Information Office of the Army Base at nearby Fort Lewis, following in her father's footsteps. Make it a summer wedding, Emily had asked them, before school starts. But Lauren figured Emily wasn't worried about her schedule as much as she was worried about her parents working things out. Even so, Shane wouldn't budge. He wanted to wait and work through some of the issues that stood in their way. Faith, his career choice, their politics, and nearly 20 years between the first time they fell in love and the second chance. That was fine. Lauren would wait. She'd do whatever it took to prove to Shane that she could deal with all this. The smallness of Fallon, Nevada. The hours drive west to the Fallon airport every time her editors at Time magazine sent her on an assignment and the incessant sound of fighter jets overhead. She could learn to deal with all of it, right? Even if there were days when being so close to a military base threatened her sanity. Shane set the plates down and turned into her arms. So you're saying... He wove his fingers through her straight blonde hair. I have nothing to wonder about. At his touch, the warm tone in his voice, Lauren's world righted itself. She relaxed in his embrace. Nothing. All right, then. He kissed the tip of her nose. I'll get the lasagna. As long as Shane responded to her this way, as long as it took only her kiss to send him into her arms, then she could find a way to live here. She had to find a way. Yes, she was still writing military features for the magazine and flying around the country for interviews several times each month. Most of the time, that was enough. So what if some day she wanted to jump on a plane and head back to Afghanistan, to her work as a Time magazine war correspondent, never mind that she still mistrusted the government and the military and their roles in the Iraqi war. Never mind that her fiancé's political views were on the other end of the hemisphere from hers. As long as she had Shane, she could look past all of it. The doorbell rang, and Lauren took a step back from the table. Their company had arrived. Three couples, none of whom she knew. Not really. Two of the guys worked with Shane in the training department, and the third was a pilot they were considering as an addition to the instruction staff. Each was bringing his wife. Lauren took a deep breath. The conversation would be predictable, but she would smile through every minute. She headed for the door, glancing over her shoulder. I'll get it. Thanks. Shane didn't sound at all concerned. His opinionated fiancé was about to share an evening with three couples whose viewpoints didn't line up with hers, but he wasn't uptight. He trusted her. The thought eased her tension. She smiled, opened the door, and found all three couples waiting. One of the guys was small and compact, with bright, laughing eyes. His exaggerated shrug was full of good humor. We all showed up at the same time. He looked at the others. Imagine that. The others laughed, and a beat later, Lauren did too. Yes, imagine that. When everyone was inside, she shut the door and introduced herself. One of the guys, the heavy-set one, 
she'd seen before. But she hadn't met the smaller guy, nor the pilot, nor any of their wives. Lauren felt better once they were past the introductions. The wives, Becky, a redhead, Sally, a blonde, and Anne, a petite brunette, seemed friendly enough. Becky noticed Lauren's colorful beaded necklace. I haven't seen anything like it. The woman looked a little too well put together. She moved in closer and studied the beads. Macy's? No. Lauren kept her tone even. She paused. Afghanistan. She measured their reaction. A local woman made it for me. Oh, Becky smiled. How interesting. Yes, Anne, the brunette wife of the shorter pilot, nodded. When we've spent time overseas, I always buy from the locals. She looked at the others. Very vogue. The economy in Afghanistan is in a shambles. Lauren touched her necklace. I try to support the people as much as possible. As soon as she said the words, she chided herself. The explanation wasn't necessary. The redhead was only trying to be kind, trying to find common ground by giving her the compliment. A silence fell over the group, an awkward silence. Buying a necklace overseas was one thing, but from Afghanistan, as a way of supporting the country's economy? Suddenly, it was as if all of them were remembering that Lauren was different. Certainly one or another of them had heard about her. Shane Gallanter's liberal fiancé. The one person in their midst who didn't feel a sense of pride and purpose every time she passed a military base. Who made her living writing for Time magazine. Finally, Anne smiled. Those Afghani women must cherish the freedom to make and sell their wares. Touché. Lauren gritted her teeth and kept herself from responding. The brunette was right. If Afghanistan hadn't been liberated, the women couldn't have presented themselves or their jewelry in public. But there were other problems, life-threatening issues that faced the Afghani people and the Iraqis. What was the United States doing about that? Shane found them in the entryway. He seemed to sense that things were a bit tense. Well, he clapped his hands. Lauren and I made our best lasagna. He gestured down the hall toward the dining room and kitchen. Let's move in and we can get started. The others were happy to follow him. As he walked down the hall, Shane grinned at the guys and nodded at their wives. I'll tell you what, he shook the pilot's hand. That was some fancy flying you did the other day. No doubt. The heavier guy took the spot on the other side of Shane. Best flying I've seen in years. The women formed a small cluster as they headed into the dining room. Speaking of Macy's, Becky tossed her red hair. It's their big sale this week. I thought it was coming up. Anne eased her designer purse onto her shoulder and laughed. Sounds like a date night, ladies. They rounded the corner and spilled into the dining room. Country music played from the living room, something slow and crooning. Shane took the pitcher of iced tea and held it up. Anyone thirsty? The guys each reached for a glass, but the women kept talking. 
Lauren hung back in the hallway, pretending to arrange the vase of flowers Shane had bought for the evening. Any night but Wednesday, Sally pulled a face that made the other women smile. Youth group meets at our house on Wednesdays. And Chad wouldn't miss that. Anne poked her finger in the air. The kid hated church until high school. Now you can't keep him away from the youth group. I think maybe Chad's noticing the girls more than the gospel. Becky raised an eyebrow. Whatever. Anne moved toward the guys and the iced tea. As long as he's going. Okay, so Macy's any night but Wednesday. Becky pretended to jot a note. Let's aim for Tuesday. Nods of approval followed, and the plan seemed set. Lauren was still in the hallway, staring at the women. Was this what Shane wanted her to be? Someone whose greatest challenge in a given week was whether Tuesday or Wednesday would be better for shopping at Macy's? Whether the kids liked youth group because of the gospel or the girls? Then, as if a switch had been flipped, she caught herself. What was she doing, being silently critical of these women? Critical and judgmental and mean-spirited. Were her views against the war so entrenched that she would dislike a group of military wives simply for who they married? Regret and sorrow came over her in a rush. She had no right to judge these women or challenge them. They played both father and mother to their kids much of the time, and during wartime, they faced losses other people couldn't understand. She drew a slow breath. She would change her mood now, before they thought she was a terrible person. Before shame.